In the last episode, I announced that you can now support Breaking the Digital Spell through Buy Me a Coffee, a Patreon alternative where you can buy me a coffee and leave a one-time tip without creating an account or become a monthly member of the show. One of the benefits for those who become a member is that you'll receive exclusive content, including bonus episodes like this one. And while I'm certainly not going to do this for every bonus episode, I do want to give you a taste of the kind of content I have in mind for these episodes, which is going to be a little different than the normal episodes that I'm going to continue to write and record. If you enjoyed this episode and you enjoy this kind of content, please consider supporting the podcast by becoming a member at buymeacoffee.com forward slash digital spell. Of all of the stories that the Wall Street Journal broke in its incredibly damning and revealing Facebook Files series, one story seemed to hit the company especially hard. The revelation that Facebook knew just how bad Instagram is to teenagers' mental health. The rest of society has known all along and have demonstrated pretty clearly that Facebook has a horrible effect on the mental well-being of teenagers, both for Facebook Blue, the main platform, Instagram, and WhatsApp. And plenty of third-party researchers from multiple disciplines have been able to show this quite clearly over the years. The reason why this story was a big deal was because for the first time, we had hard, concrete proof that Facebook also independently came to the same conclusions as many of these external researchers, but they buried their findings and sometimes even contradicted in public the things it knew to be true in private. Now, the other stories were certainly huge revelations, but it was this particular story that drew the immediate wrath and outrage of both Congress and the general public, which is the last thing that Facebook needs right now. Much of Facebook's public response to all of these stories has been centered around putting out this particular fire, even though it now has several major fires to put out, thanks to Francis Haugen's testimony. One of the responses Facebook made came just a couple of days ago, when Facebook's Vice President of Global Affairs, Nick Clegg, did an interview on CNN's State of the Union. It's a Fascinating interview. I'll link to it in the show notes because of how Clegg openly acknowledges the problem and the pervasiveness of the problem, and yet boldly and openly states that Instagram, and specifically Instagram for kids, is somehow part of the solution to a problem caused by Facebook and Instagram. Dana Bash didn't go quite as hard on Clegg as she probably could have and let him run through the standard Facebook PR strategy. That's going to have to be an episode for another time. But the big takeaway was Clegg announcing a slew of future features and tools to help make Instagram safer for kids. And he announced three features in particular. Improved parental controls, warnings for consuming too much harmful content, and a take a break prompt. And it's these latter two features that I want to focus on. Parental controls are good, but they run up against some hard limitations. And in the case of an app, it technically is a redundant feature given that both Apple and Android phones now have robust parental controls and time control features built into the phones themselves. You don't really need an app to do that since you can just 
program those restrictions into the phones themselves. But content warning and nudges to take a break are a new feature for the company. And to give Clegg some credit, these are some features that activists have been proposing for some time as possible aids to the problem. It's just a shame that it took being exposed in a national paper by a whistleblower for Facebook to decide to implement these plans, but at least it's a start. But are these features actually going to help? Will warnings from the app about harmful content or a nudge to take a break actually improve the mental health of teenagers who use Instagram? Part of the problem with answering this question is that these kind of questions concede some very important territory for Facebook. In proposing changes to how Facebook presents its content on its platforms, Facebook hopes you'll admit that the content is the problem and not Facebook's platforms themselves. Facebook doesn't make content, and so if it can shift the blame of all of the problems onto Instagram's content, it can draw attention away from what Facebook does make, and that's a platform to host that content. Facebook wants nothing more than for us to believe that its core product is fine and that it's external bad actors who use that platform who are responsible for all of these problems. Facebook spends a ton of money and airtime bragging about what it's doing to fight misinformation and extremist content on its platforms. But it can't do that if the problem is the platform itself. And this is part of the reason why Clegg thinks somehow in some upside-down world, that Instagram for Kids is going to play a part of the solution to this situation. Facebook's products are their platforms, which are the vehicles to make money through selling advertisements to its user base. If the platforms go away, Facebook's income goes away. And so Facebook works incredibly hard to shift the conversation to something else. So why are platforms the true source of the problem? Aside from the fact that the platforms are designed to be as maximally addictive as possible, which is something that guys like Tristan Harris and the Center for Humane Technology have documented pretty well, the platforms themselves serve a very important social function. We use them to assess our own identity based on the identities of others. Social media is not primarily about information or content. Social media is primarily about understanding yourself relative to those around you. And as we will see in our three-part episode on Chris Bale's Breaking the Social Media Prism, social media distorts our perception of our own identity and the identities of others just by the very nature and design of the platforms themselves long before good or bad content ever enters the picture. Teenagers are fundamentally insecure about who they are in this phase of life. What could be worse for someone who is insecure about who they are than to give them a tool that is going to shape their understanding, not just of themselves, but of themselves against a backdrop of a limitless number of other identities? As Bale argues, social media is not a mirror that reflects our image back to us. It is a prism that distorts our image and the image of others. And by others, I mean as many people as possible on a platform. 
And when social media becomes the dominant medium of choice for an entire age range in American culture, you have a recipe for the kind of teenage mental health crisis that Gene Twinge and Sherry Turkle and many other researchers have thoroughly documented. Social media takes human comparison, a natural and normal thing to do, and raises it to a scale that the human brain and human psychology was never designed to tolerate. And Facebook knows this. In the CNN interview, Nick admits point blank that, quote, you can't change human nature. You are always going to compare yourself to others. Now, what's fascinating about that admission is that Clegg and Facebook believes that the source of this comparison is in the content and not in the medium that facilitates that comparison. Because to admit that the medium is what facilitates this comparison is to admit that Facebook is the problem. And that's not something Facebook will ever admit about its three platforms. Now, obviously, having warning labels on content or nudges to take a break and things like that are not bad ideas in and of themselves. Like mentioned a bit ago, some of these are ideas that advocates and activists have been suggesting for some time. But we need to see the bigger picture here, and we need to understand what's going on. The chief end of social media is to sell advertisements, and as a social media company, Facebook requires your attention to make money. And the way it gets our attention is through tapping into our desire to know and to be known and loved by others. We need to understand that when Facebook posits these solutions to these problems, it's doing so on terms and ideas that keep your attention away from the true source of the problem, which are Facebook's platforms themselves. If you're a parent and your teenager is struggling with their mental health and they're on social media, It's not just a matter of who they follow or what they post on Instagram or what they see on any other social media platform, although that can certainly play a role in it. While there are certainly ways to use these platforms that are better than others, it's not possible to completely negate the negative effects of these mediums themselves because no medium is value neutral and is always going to shape us in some way, shape, or form, even if we use it very minimally. What will solve the teenage mental health crisis is precisely at odds with Facebook's bottom line, and that's keeping our kids off social media as much as possible. Dr. Gene Twinge's outstanding book, iGen, is the go-to source for understanding the correlation between social media usage and the well-being of our teenagers, and I cannot recommend it enough. But apart from that, Another way to mitigate this crisis is to teach our kids and ourselves to ask questions about the mediums we use and about what these mediums do to us. We need to teach our kids and ourselves media literacy because media literacy is the biggest gaping hole in our discipleship. As Neil Postman once said of television, so we now say today with social media, quote, No medium is excessively dangerous if its users understand what its dangers are. This is an instance in which the asking of the questions is sufficient. To ask is to break the spell.
Next week is when the first part of our three-part series on Chris Bale's Breaking the Social Media Prism releases, and I can't wait for you to hear it. If you have enjoyed this episode, as I said, please consider buying me a coffee by leaving a one-time tip or becoming a member at buymeacoffee.com forward slash digital spell. Breaking the Digital Spell is produced by me, Austin Gravely, with production assistance from Andrew Akins. You can follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can listen to this episode and all of our prior episodes on our YouTube page or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And speaking of which, please consider leaving a review on iTunes if this podcast has been helpful to you so that others can discover it and listen to it as well. You can reach out to me directly with questions or comments through any of our social media platforms or by sending an email to breakingthedigitalspell at gmail.com. My name is Austin, and together we are breaking the digital spell.